Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I really want to thank our listeners for requesting today's topic. This is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Today, we're going to talk to an animal communicator about communicating with animals. And I know you all have a lot of questions about this, and I just I just hadn't found the perfect person to interview until recently. So my guest today is Claudia Mardell, and she's an animal communicator uh, among many other gifts and talents like being an amazing pottery artist of one. <laughs> and she has studied homeopathic and Chinese herbal medicine in combination with acupuncture for animals and, and much, much more. And she uses many paths of healing energy, uh, like Reiki, like I'm a Reiki master and use that for healing energy with cats. And she uses lots of other modalities in her work. But today, I want to focus on her communication with animals. And an, another bit of interesting um, uh, information about Claudia before we, we bring her onto the show is she's actually a survivor of a traumatic brain injury that helped her to develop her animal communication skills. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as, uh, as we go along. So I want to welcome Claudia to the show and start out with just tell us beginning, what is animal communication? Well, thank you, Molly, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it and the opportunity to be able to get a little bit more specific about what actually it means to be an animal communicator and what it means to communicate with animals. Um, So let me just jump right into that. Um, So for people it means different things but when I talk about animal communication it means a direct communication with the animal it's not a you know vague intuitive thing or you know being um, being somehow not connected with the animal and just trying to figure out what's going on with the behavior etc no it is a very specific communication with the animal and to know that I am correct connected with the correct animal I always give validation that makes it more real for the person and it also lets me now know that I am connected with the right animal Uh, especially in a household of more than one cat let's say, mm-hmm. uh, it's oftentimes the case that other animals also want to speak and that there's interference. So it's really important for me to make sure I'm correct, connected to the right animal. And how do you, how do, you do that? So what I do in the beginning is I introduce myself to the animal and then I will give them a chance to introduce themselves, not giving um, any questions yet, but just leaving it open. And usually within that um, introduction that they give of themselves, there is something that the owner will say, absolutely, that's my cat. And I usually look for three 
or so confirmations that that's correct. It mm. could be as specific as my bowl is a blue shallow bowl that I drink out of, or it could be this is how the house looks like. And sometimes, you know, especially cats lead me through the whole house or show part of the house or the outside or something like that, you know, whatever is important to them. Um, and sometimes it is more vague, but then there will be behavior or I will look at the body and I will run my hands through the fur and feel the ribs, etc. you know, in my mind. Obviously, I'm not there. I do everything um, over the phone without the animal being present because mm. that just... Um, Actually, it, it makes it easier for me because I can, can concentrate rather than looking on at the animal or the owner. And right. um, sometimes I do it, you know, like when I um, did that at the resort, I would do that with people, but the animal still wouldn't be present. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between an animal intuitive, an animal psychic and an animal communicator. Are there differences or are those really all referring to the same thing? Well, I, I think they're all similar, but intuitive, um, I would say, is somebody who really can look at um, the body's illnesses, etc., to, you know, find some medical condition and so forth. And, you know, sometimes it overlaps a little bit, but I really like to stick with what the animal um, tells me. And sometimes, um, you know, with psychics, you know, they could maybe refer to the future. I don't really do that. I stay with the facts that the animal gives me. And not to say that there are many amazing animals out there that um, can give hints into the future or what they would like to see etc. But I am not, I'm not guessing. I'm really literally translating what the animal says, shows, um, you know, through pictures, movies. Um, you know, sometimes it's an emotion that goes right through the heart. Um, I can tune into their voices sometimes. Sometimes they have lit, uh, written letters in front of me. If I really don't get it, <laughs> um, <laughs> they will bold it. Um, and so there are different, you know, sometimes I just know, like um, with cats, when we look for them, when they are lost, for example, oftentimes I have a feeling of the general area where they are. Um, and that, you know, definitely goes into the psychic part. Uh, but then I talk with the animal and I try to get more information that is precise mm -hmm. and not a guessing game. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, finding lost pets. I wouldn't have thought about that as as something that would be really good to use for for communicating with them. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's great. So. When did you know that you were an animal communicator? You know, so I have always communicated with animals since I was a little child, literally. I think it's all of our birthright to actually have that gift in various degrees. Um, but then, you know, I wanted to be normal. I did realize at some point not everybody can do that. And I wanted to be normal. I didn't want to stand out. And so I kind of buried that gift. 
And I started doing it later on, you know, in my adult life, like maybe 20 years ago or so for friends, but still, you know, never being completely sure if this is, you know, my mind making things up, etc. And um, so I didn't have a clear uh, path on, on how I really got there. But when I had this traumatic brain injury that you just uh, mentioned earlier, um, six and a half years ago, that is when I realized I have to use this gift. And so many different things happened that made it clear to me that that's really my main important path in life. And so I, um, you know, did a lot of cases where I tested accuracy because it was important for me that I don't put myself out there and I was not giving accurate information. Um, so when I found myself to be in the high, high percentage, let's say 95 plus percent, that's when I said, okay, I want to do this. And then the resort, and I'm ever so grateful for that, really let me practice a lot. And, you know, to bring it there, I um, did a lot of readings for all the staff and employees, etc. And I was sent to New York for a media campaign, etc. And that gave me a lot of confidence, even though it was nerve wracking for me, of course, but um, that helped me to really test myself out in different situations with noise as backgra background noise, etc. Um, mm -hmm. And in, in different, where I wasn't just at home behind the computer or behind the phone where I could concentrate. And then that made it even more real for me. And now I feel very, very confident with it. And I've been doing it for the last six and a half years, you know, almost daily. And of course, everything with practice, you get really good at. Um, but to come back to your original question, I, I think I've always had that gift, but I buried it. And I think a lot of people do. Hmm. So anybody, would you say anybody could be an animal communicator? Is that what you, you think? Or it seems to me, this is certainly a, a specialized gift that you have. You know, I, I think that maybe in... It is a specialized gift, but at the same time, I do believe that if you have enough interest and you really have the determination to want to learn this, that it is possible. Um, there are steps and, um, uh, you know, I, I'm actually considering teaching it, but um, I have not, got, not, not quite gotten there. But um, I do believe there are exercises where we can tune into and get a more um, specialized knowing of what is accurate and what isn't accurate. It's telepathic communication, really. So, for example, if you sit at the table and you just thought in your mind, could you please uh, pass me the salt, but, some, but you haven't spoken it, but the person picks up the salt and gives it to you, just as an example, um, you know, you have communicated telepathically. And that's really what you build on. And then, of course, there are many different stages. You know, can you pick up on, on colors and sounds and feelings and all these different things of animals? Hmm. So I do believe it's possible. But everything that needs to be mastered is like 10,000 plus hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fascinating. I, I really hope you develop a course because... I would come. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually considering considering it online, like a six-week uh, course. I've been working on it a little bit, but I haven't put it out there yet. 
Yeah, that would be that would be great. So I had done some reading years and years ago about how animals communicate and and was told something that really stuck with me for all these years and especially has worked well in training and and it's advice I give to my clients and that is that animals you know speak or communicate in in pictures in mind pictures and so the example that was originally told to me was you know if if you're afraid that your new puppy is going to pee on the floor you're probably in that fear mode envisioning that puppy peeing on the floor and that puppy picks up on that image and thinks that's what you want it to do especially in a dog since it's a has more of a social hierarchy and is trying to please you. And they see your mind picture and they go, oh, pee on the floor over here? Okay, great. And they go pee and you're like, oh my God. And so I, I'd always thought that advice was good because it said, you know, keep your mind pictures positive, which of course is, is just a good practice for us all in general anyway. But um you know, keep a positive mental image of what you want that animal to do so that it understands you better since since it is probably, animals are probably more telepathic than, than humans allow themselves to be. That animal is probably picking up on your mind pictures. It is that is that true? Does that ring true to you? Is that anything that you experience? Absolutely, yes. Um, so what I find is that it is pictures, but usually the pictures also come with emotions. So when we uh, communicate, we oftentimes have emotions attached to those pictures. And to make it real for the animals, I think that is important. That is what I have found. Um, they usually do the same. They usually have emotions that come with these pictures. It could be very neutral, but in general, I find it more um, more often than not that they have emotions attached to them. And, you know, when you, for example, look at the Olympic riders, you know, oftentimes they have exactly in their mind how they would like this dressage exercise or whatever it is, uh, how they would like it to look and the horse picks up on that hmm. so a lot of people even if they are not animal communicators um, use this with animals hmm. and yeah. your example is perfect actually you know the other thing is that in pictures it is hard to translate don't do this or no so you have to come up with a, if you really want to show them, don't do this, but do something else. You know, for example, I paint a red cross through it and explain, you know, don't do that. But I, I prefer to use it where I give the alternatives. Please do this instead of that. Right, right. And that's the basic. I tell people that with cats all the time, in particular, because you can't tell a cat no, you have to show it what you want it to do instead. And uh, and mentally, I think that is so important. I also, you know, I I believe very powerfully in, in all of our ability to manifest. And, and if we are living in fear, uh, for instance, I'm I'm afraid my cats are going to get in this terrible fight. If you're constantly in fear of that, you're envisioning that, and I think you're encouraging them to fight. So I, yeah. I will often uh, advise clients to please be positive. Don't don't stay in your fear and your stress and anxiety around this situation. Don't bring that to your cat. Be positive about what 
you know, what what's going on with yeah. with the situation. So, so yeah. you know, you had mentioned um, helping to find lost pets. Can you also communicate with a with a deceased pet, with a pet that we've already lost? Absolutely. Actually, that is one of my favorite things to do because I have noticed it helps so many people to get that closure that maybe in an accident or a quick transition they weren't able to do. And um, to me, it's it's very precious to be able to do that. What I have found is also that they are very wise beings and they can tell us a lot of the um, life after death, so to speak, after they have transitioned. And I even have gotten glimpses of the transitioning itself. So it is very beautiful. It's nothing to be afraid of. And the energy, the soul, the consciousness, it never dies. So it makes basically no difference if they're here or over there. Does it make it harder for you to find them in that massive sea of deceased souls than it is if they're alive? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't think so. For me, if I have a picture and I know the name or I have some energetic bond, like I've been practicing, you know, when I learned, I've been practicing with hair that belonged to a horse's tail. I've been practicing with just the color that only that dog used to um, wear or a bowl or the ashes even. Um, then a picture isn't even necessary, but somehow a connection to that animal, and then it makes it very easy. Mm. I saw, go ahead. But there's still the same thing um, about validation. I always look for the validation. And when I talk with people, it also makes it more real for them because, you know, when you can pull that off, that information and say, you know, you, your dog had this and that character, etc., or this cat, then it makes it more real for them what you are then going to tell them about life on the other side. Yeah, yeah, I would think everybody probably feels like they need that validation because, you know, there's probably a lot of skepticism out there since it's yeah. nothing, you know, we can't do. It's hard for us to understand if if you're not a, an animal communicator it, uh, that validation would be important. I saw um, at the Santa Fe shelter an, an interesting product called, um, they're stones basically, and they take ashes from humans and animals, not together, but separately. And they, and they transform these ashes into these beautiful white, smooth stones. Mm. And, um, I, I've been fascinated with those, and I and I want to do that because then you can have them out instead of in a little box. You know, it's out; yeah. you can touch it and feel it. And I would imagine something like that would would be very powerful for you to help in connecting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. So, what's you know? Let's talk about you know cats versus dogs for a minute too, because. Um, you know, I've I've been told and certainly have observed in my many years of working with cats that they are very sensitive. You know, they get a bad rap for being aloof and not connected with us. And, you know, dogs are our best friends, but, you know, cats aren't. And, and I have found that in reality, cats seem to 
be much more sensitive to our emotions and and our feelings than than perhaps dogs are. Do you experience any of that? Well, I, they are definitely more sensitive in terms of um, anything they pick up on. But I don't want to say that dogs can't do that. They might show it in different ways. Um, but in terms of communicating with them, it's much easier to offend a cat than to offend a dog. And in my animal, <laughs> in my animal communication, I pay real attention to that in the communication because t- cats will sometimes, if they feel offended, they will say, I don't have to talk with you and they're gone, right? So then it takes a little effort to bring them back and I haven't lost the communication over it yet, but um, I am very... Uh, aware and sensitive to that point that they really don't like to be told what to do in a certain way. Um, They like to have free choice and less so than dogs, you know, like dogs would be, you can tell them, please don't do this or they will listen. But for cats, they, for them, it's a two-way conversation. They really strive for understanding um, both sides And if it makes sense to them, they will agree to it. What I have found with cats is you can't make a list. I want you to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That would be more for a dog, even though I don't talk like that in any ways. You know, like I don't, I always see it as a two-way conversation. I always give them um, choices. And I do make the owners aware this is not just about you know, saying, I want you to do this. Uh, It is also possibly that something in the household has to change. Or sometimes behavior, as you very well know, um, comes from environmental issues, or maybe they don't like the boyfriend, or who knows what it is, right? But cats are much more uh, sensitive to all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I have... um... I have a message I just got. Let's let's go ahead and talk about this. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, I got an email from a, a lady just this morning because this is kind of in that same sandbox of, of cats being more sensitive. And I just kind of want to get your take on what she's asking here. But she says, my cat took a nap in his hiding place in my bedroom yesterday. When he came out, he was visibly spooked. He keeps looking at the bedroom and he won't go back into my bedroom. Can a cat see something that humans can't? This is very upsetting to me and I need advice. What would you say to something like that? Can cats see things that humans can't? Absolutely. And dogs as well, actually. Um, But yes, so cats can definitely see, you know, what we would call ghosts, which are really spirits that are somewhere trapped here or sometimes by choice being here, Um, for example. But it could be all kinds of different energies that our eye, if we're not trained, cannot see for sure. You know, dogs, for example, they would probably bark to disperse that energy and to make it go away. Um, For cats, they are a bit different. They're much more quiet. And so, yes, but to really know, because it could be all kinds of different things, right? Um, We would have to talk with that animal and really find out what they're seeing. And when cats explain 
um, what they see, they oftentimes show shadows. And then, you know, it's a matter of can we tune in to figure out who that actually is. Uh, sometimes it's more general, like it is ghosts, but sometimes it could be a particular family member just saying hello or, or living there or who knows, you know, it, it goes into very interesting subjects for sure. Hmm, that's interesting. So is there a common thread that you find with cats that when you communicate with them that they wished we humans would do differently for them? Is there something like the majority of cats tell you, I just hate it when you people do this? <laughs> <laughs> or is well, that a long list? <laughs> no, not so much. But one thing that I think is really important is the cleanliness of the litter boxes. Oh my goodness, have I had conversations with cats about that. Um, some like two, they like one, you know, for peeing and one for pooping. But even then, they want it to be clean before they use it the next time. So what I have found is a lot of the issues when cats urinate somebody, somewhere else is because the litter box is not clean enough for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And yeah, it yeah. could just be the smell, right? So that is one thing that I feel is really needs attention um, for cats. Yeah, and that's good. And that, and you know, when when I do behavior work and I ask people, how often do you scoop your litter box? And they almost always say, oh, once a day, once. And you know darn well that's not true and have that most of the time. <laughs> you know, I'm like, now come on, people, every day, <laughs> once a day, once a week. I mean, and that, that's true. You don't think you can keep a box uh, clean enough for a cat. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So what's the... What's the funniest thing an animal has told you? You know, I had this really funny session with this one cat um, who showed me a birthday party and how the girl had put on the wall many, many paper cats that she cut out, you know, and that everything about this birthday party was his birthday party and seven girls were going to come, six were going to come and the girl that lived in the house was there, so seven all together. And he was very, you know, precise with his information, but I talked with the mother and the mother said, no, actually <laughs> the birthday party is for my daughter, and but she themed it for the cat. And so I literally didn't have the heart to tell the cat this birthday party wasn't, wasn't for him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that was very cute, you know, and I, I just thought it is so adorable. And in a way, it is for him, you know. So I didn't feel too bad that I wasn't. I try to be always very honest with the translation, but I just I just didn't have the heart. <laughs> <laughs> And do you find that, in general, most cats are happy when you talk to them? Are there most of them happy? Yes, you know, I I think that is also probably because people who seek me out, they have a certain awareness about animals, right? And so I get to talk mostly to cats that are that are happy and that their human is trying everything that they can to do for the cat or for the animals. Um, but in general, 
Um, you know, for me, the big thing here, especially in New Mexico, is always inside cat versus outside cat. So yeah, cats would be much happier outside, obviously, but what I get to explain to them is that it is um, a safety issue, which some are very aware of and others are not. Mm -hmm. um, so I think to create some sort of space where they can have a little bit of taste of the outside, that would be probably the biggest concern for cats in places where they cannot roam outside safely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Catio, we have a big um, built-in when I designed the house out here in New Mexico. I, I made it where there's a large cat run outside and it has multi-levels and catwalks and lots of wisteria growing over it so it gets bird nests and things like that in it and lots of entertainment out there and a you know door he can go in and out at, at leisure. And uh, that's very, very important, I think, for enrichment. Yes. And we also put him on a harness and and a long leash. And then when we sit out on the portal at night and, and have dinner and, and, and out there watching sunsets and whatnot, then he can be with us outside the catio and and enjoying the outdoors and chasing a mouse here and there and, and things like that without getting out far enough to be coyote bait. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> And they do that. That can bring so much enrichment because I find too that, from a behavior standpoint, cats get very frustrated. You know, on a on a scientific level, they they have about a ninety six percent DNA linkage to to a wild cat ancestor, and so their needs are still very wild. And when we coop them up indoors all the time and don't fulfill those needs and in multiple ways from how often we feed them and what we feed them and, you know, do we give them access to the outdoors and things like that, they get, they get very frustrated. And right. I used to use the word bored and I don't think bored was right. And I, I recently started using the word frustrated because I do think that's more of what they're experiencing is frustration of not being able to um, express their natural feelings and tendencies and urges. I agree with you 100%, yes. Yeah. So how do your services work? Um, you know, how would um, tell everybody, you know, maybe what you charge or what your prices start at and how they get in touch with you and what your website is and if you've written books on this subject and talk about that a little bit. Sure. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, my website is radiantsoul.org. And I have a self-scheduler on there where people can see what times work for them, but email or phone or text works just as well. So my email is claudia at radiantsoul.org. And my phone number or my text is 505-554-6115. I'm very easy going with all of that. And I charge um, per session $111. It's just a number that <laughs> resonates with me and it's usually an hour long. Um, sometimes we go over a little bit, sometimes it's a little less, but something like that. Um, I always try to get to the point where we have completion, so that's more important for me than actually the, the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I have a newsletter. I haven't been super on it, but there is a um, place on my website where people can put and request to get information 
um, when I put out new new teachings, etc. Um, so that would be something if somebody was interested in uh, getting, you know, the the six week um, course mm -hmm. or whatever that I would send out through that. Great, great. And I will be definitely signing up for that because I would love to do that with you. That would be that would be fun. And I would love to have you back and talk more about, you know, Chinese herbal medicine treatments and, and acupuncture and, and things like that and, and many much more about the aspects of, of how you're working with animals. So I hope you'll you'll join us again. Thank you very much. That would be amazing and my pleasure, absolutely. Yes. Great. Thanks for, for being with us today. And, and everybody out there listening, thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 